Well, good morning. I'm going to take this microphone while I unattach and uh, get back hooked back up to this thing. So. Magic. Oh. There we go. I should be on here. All right. We, we good? Y'all can hear me? Good deal. Awesome. Well, welcome to the field house. Pastor Larry is obviously not here today. And uh, he asked me last week, he came up to me after the service last week and he goes, hey, I was going to get you to fill in preach for me. I was like, okay, that's cool. I was like, when were you thinking? He's like, how about next week? And I was like, hmm, okay, here we go. Yeah, so that's how that went. And uh, so I started praying. I was like, oh, Lord, what do you want me to say? So, well, let's pray and we'll go home, okay? So. <laughs> Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. And uh, let's have a quick word of prayer so I can focus and we can all focus on... Uh, Worshiping through his word. Jesus, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it, uh, Lord, it pierces the deepest of hearts and changes the darkest of souls. And Lord, that's who we are. And I pray that you would change us today with your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Luke chapter 2. Are y'all still Christmas shopping? Y'all still doing that? You going to get presents? And everything, okay. Uh, this is what happens in November, all right? November, everyone plans for Thanksgiving. And uh, all the family comes over and you eat it's way too much. And then Hallmark, you know, the Christmas Hallmark movie starts showing. And I have yet to dive in. Look, look I've watched a few already. But I haven't dived fully in yet. A couple of years ago, I saw two minutes of a Hallmark movie, Christmas Hallmark, and seen all of them since. And... <laughs> And it's just that season, right? And you kind of get into the Christmas mood, the Christmas spirit. But here's what happens is we start figuring out how much money do we have, what's our budget, who, what are we going to get, you know, uh, the son and the daughters and this and that and uh, the people who are away. And, and it gets to be so overwhelming that we forget Jesus. And we do this every year. And so what I thought that we would do today is, uh, Pastor said that, you know, hey, we'll just take a small break from Romans that he's been preaching, and we will focus on the Christmas story. I thought, let's do that. Let's dive into the Christmas story. It's all a familiar story. We're going to read it together. And then uh, as we read, or as I read, I'm just going to uh, just point out a few things. And then there's three thoughts at the end. And of just a very simple Christmas message that hopefully will get our hearts, all of our hearts right for this Christmas season so that we can know what the most important thing is. We, we, we all together? Okay, awesome. Luke chapter 1. Let's read in verse 1. Luke chapter 2, sorry. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. 
In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And we'll stop there, okay? So it's mentioned Caesar Augustus. His name was Octavian. Octavian, his great uncle was Julius Caesar, which if you have studied history, you've heard Julius Caesar. And Julius Caesar, uh, he ruled the known world that previous, Alexander the Great, they had conquered, you know, him, Alexander the Great and his army had conquered most of the known world, that they would say the known world. There was still other places and countries that they had yet discovered. And, um, and so... The Roman, the Roman Empire had taken over the known world at this time. Julius Caesar was over that. And he died in around 45 B.C. And, um, and then left the rule to three people, one of them being Octavius. And Octavius went to civil war against the two others and in 31 B.C. conquered the other two and took over as sole ruler of Rome, of the Roman Empire of the known world. And they changed his name from Octavius to, or Octavian to Caesar Augustus. And that's who we're dealing with now. And then peace came into the known world. Why? Because there was nobody else to fight. They conquered them all. And the Roman law ruled that known world. And that included Israel and Judah and all those places. They were under Roman law. Even into the world that Jesus was going to be born into. But get this. Caesar Augustus created this world that there should be this worship of one person being himself. Little did he know that just in a few years, he did create an awesome atmosphere to worship one person, Jesus Christ, right? And so Caesar Augustus, this is what he brought. He brought peace into the known world. He was uh, extremely skilled in administration and politics, and so he helped devise a lot of the, the roads, the road systems that was going on in Rome and, and the, the, the other parts of the world, the sanitation systems that went on, the water systems. Um, even the, the, the trades, even the, is that me? Okay. All right. Even the trades that were going on at that time. And, um, and so... Uh, there was, you know, like if you had a boat harbor and things, people from other countries could come in and they could have trades. And, and I mean, it was set up pretty nice. Um, but it was ruled under Caesar Augustus. And so he had made a decree into all the known world, listen, everybody's going to have to go back to where you started from, where you were born at, and register and pay taxes. Can I get an amen on that, Right. That's what we want to do. We want to all go back to where we were born and pay taxes. So, yay. I remember my first job. I was a, a, a gas pumper when full service stations were happening, you know. Yeah, I pumped gas. I got my paycheck. And part of that paycheck, if not most of it, was going to pay taxes. And nothing's changed, all right? I don't pump gas anymore. But still, you know, you still have to pay taxes. Wherever you go, you have to pay taxes. So all these people is going to go back to where they started from and register and pay taxes. Verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee in the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, 
because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed. He was engaged to Mary, who was with child. Previous in chapter 1, Gabriel had visited, the angel Gabriel visited Mary and said, you are a virgin and you are going to have a child and it's going to be the son of God. Okay, he went to Joseph and he's like, you're engaged to this young girl and she's pregnant with the son of God. Don't get rid of her. And he's like, yes, sir. Okay. And so that was their situation. And then they find out, now we got to travel. We got to travel from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, which is about 70 miles. So she's pregnant. Now, anytime I think about the Christmas story, I think of Mary and Joseph, and she's pregnant, and they're traveling down. Listen, this was the known world. The known world had to go and register. There were people traveling in all different directions. It didn't matter if you were pregnant or this or that. It didn't matter your situation. You had to go to where you were born at and register. And so Mary and Joseph were going to Bethlehem, where they were born at, to register, along with tons of other people, okay? Um, <clears throat> we'll keep reading. Verse 6. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. Remember, tons of people traveling. There was no room for them in those, you know, the Hyatt Motel or the Best Western or mm, maybe not. And then uh, the Country Inn or the Suites, you know, and all that. Nothing like that. There was no room for them there. They said there's a barn or a stable and it's where all the animals are and you can go stay there and there's probably other people around there too. So you can stay with the animals. And they're like, we whatever is a roof over our head, and that's where they stayed. Ooh, right? That's where animals eat and do their business, right? Okay. Verse 8. In the same region, there were shepherds in the flock out in the field, and they were keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were fear, uh, filled with fear. So an angel appears to the shepherds, in the middle of the night, the shepherds were doing their job, okay? They were watching over their flocks. It was in the middle of the night. They had third shift, whatever was going on. Why did the angel appear to them and not a king or a queen or the wealthy? Why the shepherds? Verse 10. That's a rhetorical, is that right? <laughs> All right, verse 10. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people, all the people. Verse 11, for unto, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Angels bring the good news, a joyous, exciting news to the, uh, to the shepherds. They said the Savior King our Savior King that we just sang about, the Savior King, the Messiah that was prophesied about in the Old Testament, he's here. This is awesome news, guys. Awesome. The Savior King is born today. Verse 12. So what happened? And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, and suddenly... Suddenly, all right, there was one angel that told them all this. And then suddenly, a multitude, a multitude of heavenly hosts of angels praising God and saying, 
Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. And so it went from one to a multitude. The shepherds get the instructions. Here's how you get to the barn, and they got MapQuest, and they knew how to get there, and they said, awesome. They said, before you go, get something for you. And a whole multitude of angels showed up, and they said, it's worship time. And they started worshiping. What an awesome story. Right? What a cool night. Out of all the nights that they've been watching their flock on third shift in the middle of the night and rescuing them from wolves and catching that one that wanders off, you know, man, this night an angel shows up and then a ton of angels show up and they have an amazing worship service. Then they go on their way. So here we go. Verse 15. When the angels went away from, from them into heaven... The shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord that has been made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told with them concerning this child. So the shepherds make it to the barn. They see Mary and Joseph. They see the son of God in the flesh. And he's in the manger. He's wrapped in swaddling clothes. He's being a baby, you know. I mean, it's Jesus in the flesh as a baby. And then the shepherd go, Mary and Joseph, this is why we're here. We were out working. An angel showed up to us. And they start telling the story. And then Mary and Joseph are like, oh, that's amazing. This is what happened to us. It's like, oh, we had a praise service. And Mary and Joseph's like, an angel showed up to us. A little bit different circumstance. And Mary's like, yeah, he told me I was going to have the son of God. Oh, no. <laughs> and then Joseph is like, yeah, he said that my engaged you know, person here, we're not even married. She's going to be pregnant. And then we got to figure that out. And then we have to travel. And this is what's going on with us. But it's awesome because now she just had the son of God. And it's all going to be amazing, right? And so they're exchanging stories. And they're telling of like these, these miracles that's been going on. I remember there was one time when uh, I had taken a few trips to the Dominican Republic in Mexico City. We went to some mission trips. And one of the things that we had to do, uh, the missionary told us that we would go visit homes. We would share our faith about how Jesus saved us and forgave us of our sins and what Jesus had done in our lives. Then some of the family might do the same and we're going to eat. So save room because we got a lot of houses to go to. And so you can't eat all that you want to at the first house that we stop at. There's going to be many houses. So eat a little bit, you know, at each house. It's like, cool. And it was really cool, really amazing food. Anyway, so we're sitting in the living room. We're sharing our faith. And you know what's happening? We're getting encouraged. I mean, it was pretty, pretty amazing. We're, we're talking about Jesus. They're talking about Jesus. We're high-fiving. We're hugging. We're praying together. And then we go to the next house. Well, guess what happened this night? The, the, the shepherds, they go over to Mary and Joseph and they said, this is what's going on in our life. This is what God just did. And this is what the angel said. And Mary and Joseph are like, oh yeah, well, this is what's going on. And they're encouraging each other and faith is being built. And you know what? There were other people listening around and they're kind of like going, what is going on? What craziness, you know? Verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. I bet they did. I bet they did. I bet they did wonder. 
in verse 19. But Mary, Mary treasured up all these things and pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned. Still, they're glorifying, they're praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. And at the end of the eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, Yeshua, in the Old Testament. The one who saves. That's what that means. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. I have three thoughts from this. That is the Christmas story. So we have three thoughts, three things to focus on. Number one, from Luke 2, verse 10. It says that the angel showed up to the shepherds and he brought them good news. Do you know what good news means? It's the gospel. That's what good news means. The gospel means good news. So he's like, I have the first gospel message of the New Testament right here. And the angel is giving the first gospel message to who? The lowliest of people, shepherds. You didn't just grow up going, man, I want to be a shepherd one day. It was the lowliest and poorest of the jobs. You're born into that. It wasn't like, man, I got high hopes for my life. Shepherd, what's up? High five, going to college, going to be a shepherd. No, it was like you kind of learned that as a kid. And you grew up into that as a kid. And so the greatest news ever told, the most joyous and exciting and life-changing news ever was first given to the lowliest of people, to the shepherds. And he said, I bring you good news. And this good news is going to dwell in your heart. You know what our heart is? It's the barn. It's the stable. It's the nasty. It's the dirty. It's where the animals do their animal things. Romans 5, 8, God showed us his love while we were still sinners, while we were the wretchedest of sinners. Jesus Christ died for us. God, knowing our sinful and wicked hearts, he graciously gifted us with his only son, Jesus. He says, I want Jesus to rest in your barn, in that dirty, nasty, wicked heart of yours. He knows our hearts. He knows our sin. He knows what we've done. He's done what you've done and what I've done. He knows that. He knows it all. We're the lowliest of low. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And Jesus is saying, that's where I want to be. I want to dwell there. You need a savior, I'm your savior. I want to spend eternity with you. I want to dwell in your dirty old barn. And I want to make it righteous. And if you've been paying attention to the series in in Romans, that's what we're talking about. How God makes us righteous through Jesus. In Isaiah Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, says this, The Messiah, the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, has all these names for the uh, the Son of God, for Jesus the Christ, the Messiah of the Old Testament. In Matthew 1, 23, it says that he will be born of a virgin, and you will call his name Emmanuel. Do you know what Emmanuel means? God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. I read a commentary from Charles Spurgeon. And it really changed for me what this meaning of Emmanuel is. God with us. 
God with us when we were born. God with us when he chose our parents for us. God with us when he decided that day that we would see light for the first time and take our first breath. God with us when some of you might have broke your first bone, arm or leg or finger or whatever. God with us first day of junior high when you're really scared. God with us the first day of high school and when you graduated that, maybe when you went on to college. God with us in the awesome times when you got married, when you had your first child. God, when you graduated college, that's a big deal, okay? <laughs> when you finally get that diploma. God with us when your mom dies. God with us when your dad dies, or heaven forbid you bury a child. God with us in the worst time of our life. God is saying, I will be with you then, I will be with you now, and I will be with you forever. I am Emmanuel, God with you. That idea changed my life. It, just, it changed my whole, my whole way of thinking, God with us. He was sinless so he could take our sin and shame on the cross so that we can live in him. God with us. Jesus Christ is the best news. So that's the, the first thing. The gospel message was brought to us. And he says, this is God with us, in us, in that nasty old barn. Here's the second thought. Mary pondered, verse 19, Mary pondered and treasured all these things in her heart. Can you imagine all the things that Mary treasured in her heart? I mean, she's a teenage girl, and some are awesome, okay? <laughs> some teenage girls are great, all right? They're just, they're very nice. I'm saying that, I'm biased. I have a teenage girl, and she's awesome. She's so cool. Love her, yeah. And then there's some that, you know, hey, can I get an amen? All right. <clears throat> Here's Mary, she's a teenage girl, and an angel shows up to her and says, guess what, you're gonna be pregnant. And she's like, what? And it's like, yeah, by God. God is gonna put this, his son in your womb. And she's like, I'm a virgin. And he goes, exactly, perfect. She's like, but I'm engaged. What's gonna happen with that? I'll take care of that. Amazing. She had to ponder and treasure a lot in her heart. Then she's thinking about the testimony that the shepherds had. The shepherds come over and they're like, hey, guess what? We're telling you what the angel told us. And so she's treasuring that. She's like, that's amazing. And then she goes back and she goes, you know what? When I was pregnant, I went and visited my aunt Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, my aunt, she was pregnant with John the Baptist. She's thinking about that. How about as Mary gets older? What about all these things? When Jesus was around 12 years old, every year uh, all the Jews go back to the temple and they have their yearly sacrifice. And so there's this huge caravan of people going to the temple and they're sacrificing the animal for the whole nation of Israel. And on the way back, Mary and Joseph kind of lose sight of Jesus. You ever lost a kid in the mall or somewhere? Oh my goodness, man, that's the worst feeling in the world. Your heart sinks and then you just leave them. And you're like, oh, I got another. <laughs> it's a joke. Okay? <laughs> like, that's not even the one I like. No. <laughs> JK. All right. Just kidding. So Mary and Joseph, their heart sinks, and they're like, where is Jesus? We lost the Son of God. 
And so they go back to the temple, and where do they find their 12-year-old boy? He's having conversations with the religious leaders there. And the religious leaders there, their minds are blown. They can't believe the wisdom of this 12-year-old. Pierce, hi, stand up for a second. He's 12. Don't have a conversation with him, okay? (laughs) Probably won't blow your mind. (laughs) I love you, buddy. (laughs) That's my youngest. All right. What else did Mary ponder? How about when Jesus started his ministry? When her son started his ministry and then miracles started happening. He turned water into wine. He caused a blind man to see. He fed thousands. Lepers were healed. He brought somebody back, probably more than one, back from the dead. They died. Lazarus was dead four days. She watched her son be falsely accused and beaten and torn to shreds and nailed on a cross to die. Treasure that in your heart. She saw her son defeat death in the grave. Treasure that. She watched her son perform miracles even after he was uh, raised from the dead and hung around for 40 days, as Acts says, and did way more miracles that we can't even keep record of. She can treasure that. She heard Jesus from his mouth, from her own son's mouth, the son of God, explain that he was the Messiah prophesied about from the Old Testament. She witnessed her son physically ascend into heaven. How much Mary had to treasure in her heart. It's not just about Mary. How much do we have to treasure in our heart about what God has done in our life? I bet he's rescued some of you from death. I bet he's comforted you in the worst time of your life. And I bet you've had some amazing praise sessions in the best times. I mean, you worship him in the worst times and the best times. Treasuring those things in our hearts keeps us going and gives us hope. And the last thing, what did the shepherds do? They praised and they were grateful. Psalms 8.4 says, What is man that you are mindful of him? Who am I or who are we that God, the creator of all things, he's sovereign in all works, providential in all events, he's ruler and judge of the entire universe, yet he saves and forgives the shepherds through the gospel. He saved and he forgave me through his gospel, through the good news. He saved and has forgiven some of you through his gospel. He brought the best news and we praise him for it and we're grateful for it because we know where we could have been. We know where we could be in eternity. He did come to rescue us from hell. But he says, I'm gonna give you hope and to say you can have life and have it more abundantly, John 10, 10. And he says, I will give you eternity in heaven. He showed us mercy through the good news. And that causes us to, be, to, to have hearts of praise and to be grateful because of Jesus Christ. And guys, Romans 10, 13 says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Christmas message is saying the Savior of the world came to the earth to be born of a virgin 
to take our sins and to nail them to a cross and then to defeat the grave, defeat death, and then to be raised physically into heaven and sit at the right hand of the Father. And it says, if you believe and you confess with your mouth, you will be saved. That's the Christmas message. That's the gospel. That saves us and that changes everything. That's amazing, and that is so worthy of our praise and so should change our hearts to be so grateful, right? It's the good news. It's a joyous, awesome news. If you have never become a Christian and asked for forgiveness of your sins and asked Jesus to come into your heart to save you, I encourage you to do that. What better time than the Christmas season? It's all about Jesus. Why are we refocusing today? To get our minds and our hearts focused on Jesus, not the other things. Amen? Awesome. Well, let's pray. At this time, we're going to have our ushers come forward, and Elizabeth, she's going to pray, or she's going to play the piano. I'll pray for her. It's Elizabeth. And let's just praise God today through our giving and be grateful in our hearts and thank Him for the gospel message. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the good news. Thank you for the joy that it brings and the hope that it gives us in our hearts. And Lord, I pray for everyone here, Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That does not discriminate anyone. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And Lord, I pray, Lord, you work in our hearts. If there's anyone here that needs you as their Savior, help them to surrender everything to you. I pray that you love them, you forgive them, and show them mercy and save them. In Jesus' name, Lord, take this offering and let it be used for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.